Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. And if the homeostasis is off in our physiology, then our body won't be able to heal itself. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a health and mindset coach for women with autoimmune disease just like you. I absolutely love helping you tap into your self-healing power, uncover the energetic side of healing, and release limiting beliefs around your body and your life. Think of this podcast as everything you wouldn't hear at your doctor's office. It's a place for empowered souls to move beyond food and heal themselves on a soul level. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's begin. You all are in for a treat today. My guest is Ryan Monahan. He is an FDN or functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and a certified AIP coach with a passion for uncovering the hidden stressors that contribute to thyroid malfunction. Ryan spent over 10 years visiting more than 40 health professionals to find answers to his chronic health complaints until he was eventually diagnosed with Hashimoto's in 2012. His mission now is to change the dialogue around chronic disease towards a holistic, functional approach, which I am totally on board with. As an FDN, he specializes in utilizing functional lab work. He can actually order this for you, and that helps him identify sources of metabolic stress with the aim of restoring the body to normal function. So these are uh, stressors that are often overlooked by allopathic medicine. Things like HPA axis dysregulation, food sensitivities, hormone imbalance, gut infections, heavy metals, and so much more. 
And today you're going to hear me talk a little bit about some of the roots of my illness and how Ryan has helped me on the physical side start to heal my body in a holistic way. So Ryan's clients are typically those people, myself included, who have struggled with finding relief from their autoimmune symptoms and oftentimes they feel like they've tried everything and that traditional medicine hasn't served them. And in his experience and in my experience working with him, there is a better way. So let's dive in and hear everything that Brian has to share with us today. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So glad to have you on here. And so for anyone who doesn't already know, Ryan's also my practitioner and I've been working with him for, gosh, I think since like last September, maybe October. So That's not quite a right. year, but we've been through a little bit of a journey together and I'm super excited to have him on today. So welcome. And Ryan, I just wanted you to, to start by getting the audience to know you a little bit better by explaining how did you get your Hashimoto's diagnosis and, and what did your personal healing journey look like? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to share my story with you. Uh, and thanks again so much for having me on. I'm really grateful to be here and to uh, talk about autoimmunity and Hashimoto's and hopefully uh, help some people that are in your community. So thank you for uh, helping me to reach out to more people. Yeah. So um, as far as my own personal story, I would say that my health started to slide downward probably in my college years. Um, and what I noticed was that um, I was having a lot of trouble waking up in the morning, uh, just a lot of fatigue issues. And I would have to set two or three alarms and it still wouldn't be enough to, to wake me up. Um, so, you know, at that point, I, I should have suspected that something was wrong, but I just you know, I just didn't even really suspect there being any issues because you're just, when you're that age, when you're younger, you're in your 20s, you're burning the candle at both ends, putting your nose to the grindstone, and you just think, I'm just exhausted because I'm just overworked, you know, this yeah. is just how it goes, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that there's a general tendency for us to, um, disregard or ignore our symptoms um, as being normal um, when in fact it depends on your definition of what normal is, right? And I think that there's kind of this new definition of normal is that we're all sick, so this is just how it's supposed to be, or it's a natural process of aging, like all these kind of stories and narratives. Um, but of course, you know, symptoms may be common, but that doesn't mean they're normal, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in that sense, it's not normal to be well adjusted to a sick society. Yeah. And that, I believe that's, uh, I'm not getting the exact quote right, but uh, that's one of my favorite uh, quotes from Krishnamurti. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that whole concept that, um, you know, we don't want to be uh, maladjusted to this new normal, right? Yeah, I totally so, relate to that, though. I remember in my early to mid-20s where I just, it became my normal that I would get bloated after every meal I ate. And right. I, for a while, accepted that. And I just said, oh, this is just the way it is, until I realized that there was a path to heal this. And it was absolutely not normal to get bloated after everything you were eating. So totally um, relate to that, just like, you know, what your definition of normal is. And mm -hmm. also that I think a lot of us start to settle. 
Yeah, and it, it's amazing how much pain we'll take and accept. Yes. Mm-hmm. And not really, uh, you know, I think it takes a lot of awareness and um, being a part of this whole nutrition and functional community and, and, edu- and educating yourself because um, you may disregard those symptoms as just, yeah, being just kind of a part of your everyday life. And yeah, and, um, I went through that myself. You know, I went through years and years of um, every day having chronic allergies and congestion and asthma, uh, digestive issues, sleep issues, um, energy issues. I mean, there wasn't a day that I went through my life where I didn't have some kind of chronic symptom. I mean, for at least 15 years. I mean, and that's just, that's a shame. Like nobody deserves to go through that and miss out on entire decades of their life um, because they're a prisoner to their body and their symptoms. Yeah. So what ultimately, you know, allowed you to stop settling, seek support, find diagnosis and and heal? Because I've seen some of your transformation photos and it's just incredible. I mean, your whole face looks different. Oh yeah. I still, I look back at at older pictures of myself and I I just don't even recognize the person in those pictures. Uh And uh, I think that in, in a lot of these photos too, when I look back, I feel like I look older Right. Uh, you know, five, six, seven years ago than I do now, which yeah. is, you know, I think a testament to eating a nutrient dense diet and engaging in lifestyle practices that help to restore your health. I mean, I can tell you from experience that there, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is a path, um, you know, but it does take a little bit of faith. It takes a leap of faith to try something different um, you know, of course, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. and expecting results. Yeah. Um, and along those lines, my insanity was going from specialist to specialist to doctor after doctor and just having them look in isolation um, at one symptom to the next symptom, you know, uh, from their specific lens without really much discussion of diet, lifestyle, or, or, or underlying, you know, what I call hidden stressors, which we'll definitely get into at length. Um, because these are things that are just often overlooked and I, you know, you, most people wouldn't think that to look for them. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it wasn't until my symptoms got worse really. And, and it's unfortunate too, that so many of us wait until we hit rock bottom instead of, being proactive with our health because mm-hmm. uh, not only do you have the potential to feel much better, but you can save a lot of money, I, I think, by, you know, engaging in, in diet and lifestyle practices before it comes to the crisis point. Um, so for me personally, it had been years of uh, increasing fatigue um, to the point where I was sometimes sleeping for 12 hours a night. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so fatigued that I can only have a part-time job. You know, I just, it affected my ability to make money and, and uh, make a living for myself. Um, my depression was just getting worse and worse and I was isolating myself from people. I was ashamed of, you know, on top of that, there was this emotional aspect of just shame. Like I felt it was my fault that all these symptoms were happening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
I really, really hit a rock bottom with my health where just, just nothing was working. My digestion wasn't working. My motivation was completely lacking. Um, I had severe cold intolerance as well. I mean, it would be 80, 90 degrees outside and I would need a, a sweater and a jacket, right? Which is a telltale sign of having a thyroid issue. But, you know, still at that point, I had no knowledge of what the thyroid even was. Right. So it took me um, seeing an alternative practitioner that was licensed in Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. um, and I had an appointment with him. I laid it all out for him, told him my whole story. And he ran some blood work um, and came back a few days later and actually rang me up on the phone, which was a nice personal touch. You don't often get a, a phone call from a doctor. So no. I like the guy. I, tr I trusted him and it trusted his opinion. And it had turned out that I had really, really high antibodies to the thyroid. Um, my TSH levels were sky high. Um, they were above 150. Um, and for those of you who aren't aware of what TSH is, it's a marker for thyroid function. It's actually a, a hormonal signal from your pituitary gland, um, almost like the pituitary is the conductor of your thyroid to tell it to make more or less thyroid hormone. So when that number goes higher, that's often a sign that your thyroid is sluggish. And uh, we wanna see that ideally around a one, as in 1.0 as the sweet spot. And mine was above 150. Wow. Um, so what that tells us is that this had been an issue going back years and years. Yeah. Right? Uh, autoimmunity doesn't just happen overnight, it's a progression. Um, and just going by symptoms and how I felt in my college years, my guess is that I probably started developing this, you know, at, at maybe even age 18, 19 is, is that far back. And mm -hmm. I'd gone just about 10 years with it being unrecognized or undiagnosed. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a, a strange question, but, um, so I mostly work with women and it's because mm -hmm. women or are more um, predominantly affected by autoimmune disease. So as a man with autoimmune disease, I mean, you're the first person I've had on the podcast that is a man with autoimmune disease. Do mm -hmm. you feel like that's changed your experience at all? Was there any like shame around it? Like what was your experience as a male in this autoimmune world? <laughs> well, in some sense, um, I wasn't uncomfortable with the fact that, you know, it's, it's typically thought of as a women's diagnosis. Yeah. Um, I actually did a, a yoga teacher training uh, in 2010 and I was the only male in the, in the <laughs> class. And I, and yeah, I, yeah. I was proud of that. You know, yeah. I like, I like being the, uh, the outlier. Yeah. Or the so um, my pink hair, me too. I like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, the only thing that was difficult about it was that um, at first it was difficult to find resources that were targeted towards men in regards to hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's. Yeah. Um, Dave Asprey, who's the, you know, who brands himself as the, the bulletproof executive. Some of you are probably familiar with, with Dave. Mm -hmm. um, he actually was diagnosed with Hashimoto's from being exposed to mold. Okay. But I feel like he doesn't make that a commonly known part of his story, which I feel no. is too bad because he could be this voice. Um, yeah. his voice in the, in the male community for Hashimoto's. So you have to do a little bit of digging, but he 
he did put his Hashimoto's into complete remission by removing himself from the moldy environment and, you know, detoxing mold and mysotoxins out of his body. Um, But that just gave me all the more motivation to want to be a male voice in the Hashimoto's community. Yeah. And, you know, I just hope to bring the issue to light and maybe even help more men to discover that they have a hidden health issue like a thyroid issue, because although it's typically thought of, of as a women's diagnosis, I feel like that men perhaps are less inclined to go to the doctor to seek that kind of help yeah. or maybe be more in denial about their symptoms or just maybe just kind of, you know, tough it out sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, which is definitely, you know, the kind of advice and messages that I received from friends and family growing up. Um, and, you know, just eat more fiber, lift more weights, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, but boy, was that wrong because my body was messed up, uh, which was reassuring. And it was like a huge weight lifted off of my shoulders because I knew that all those years that I wasn't crazy thinking that there was something going on. I knew intuitively that there was a deeper issue going on. I just didn't know what it was. Couldn't put a name name to it. So you've made, you know, this complete transformation and now you work as a FDN, the mindful nutrivore and Mm -hmm. FDN stands for functional diagnostic nutritionist. But let's tell the listeners a little bit more. What does that really mean? What can you expect when you work with a FDN? Yeah, I'd be happy to add some clarification there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it can get pretty confusing because there's all different kinds of licenses and practitioners out there now. Um, and they can all you know, help you from a different lens or through a different uh, healing approach. And I like to think of FDNs as being like health detectives. Essentially what we're aiming to do is try to f- discover or uncover hidden clues like a detective would and these clues can point towards dysfunction in the body and it's our belief that the body can't heal itself if if there are interferences or dysfunctions in the body Mm -hmm. so the idea being that by the use of functional lab work if we can look for these clues uh, through the lab work through through you know symptom history and intake and put all these clues together then we can find hidden stressors in the body like hormone imbalances immune dysfunction uh, digestive dysfunction uh, energy production issues neurotransmitter issues right so these are all things that we consider to be homeostatic controls and if the homeostasis is off in our physiology then our body won't be able to heal itself. So that's all just a fancy way of saying that, you know, symptoms aren't the problem. They are the result of the problem, right? So whereas in the traditional model, we think about suppressing symptoms with medications and surgery, we want to be allies with our symptoms and and to try to figure out what are the symptoms trying to tell us what are the underlying root causes that are contributing to those symptoms? You know, whether it be infections in the gut or emotional trauma in the past or exposure to toxic mold or mercury fillings, which are off-gassing mercury. And then those heavy metals can 
you know, uh, pass through the blood-brain barrier and cause inflammation and depression, anxiety, all kinds of cognitive issues. Yeah. Um, so we're really looking to restore balance to the system to let the body heal itself. And then the symptoms often resolve themselves mm -hmm. downstream. So as FDNs, we actually, this may sound counterintuitive, but we don't really focus on the symptoms. The symptoms aren't as important. It's, it's looking up, upstream to see what might be causing those symptoms. Mm -hmm. And then you address those underlying issues rather than asking the question, how do I address fibromyalgia? How do I address hypothyroidism? How do I address anxiety and depression? Yeah, yeah we're looking a little bit deeper to say, okay, well, what's, what's going on with the hormones and the gut, et cetera? Yeah, so I'd love to talk a little bit about my, my health journey with you. So I came to you, I already had these diagnoses, right? Like I had the celiac diagnosis, fibromyalgia, vitiligo, blah, 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 right? right? But I was having symptoms that were very uncomfortable, like anxiety, and I was still experiencing a lot of fatigue, and I was still having acne and breakouts, um, and just things that were still bothering me that, again, like, you know, they were there, they were present, and I was like, okay, this probably has something to do with my autoimmune disease, but I didn't understand the root of it. So I hired you, we did some lab testing. Can you kind of talk about kind of what those first steps were that we did together and what you would typically start off any, any client doing to try to find the answers, the root, like you said, that upstream part of what's causing for me when I came to you in this specific case, you know, anxiety or fatigue? Yeah, absolutely. So typically when I start with a client, just like you and I did together, you know, we'll do a few simple intake forms and that gives us a roadmap for what kind of dysfunction we might be looking at. And we can also change those symptom scores as we move along as a, as a means for tracking progress, which is really helpful. Mm -hmm. And we'll also, you know, look at things like food journaling to see you know, um, how the, the, the diet might be sort of tuned up for your you know, unique diet and lifestyle uh, and your, your bio-individuality. Mm -hmm. And then you know, based on that, we'll take a look at you know, what symptoms uh, might be given the most priority. And oftentimes with most clients, I'm gonna be running uh, kind of a basic battery of tests which can help give us the most information, the most bang for our buck. And I start by looking what might be called or referred to as the, the usual suspects, right? So it, there's a fair assumption that most people with chronic symptoms are gonna be dealing with hormone imbalances and infections in the gut, right? Those are just where you often get the most payout sort of in terms of uh, running these labs. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and of course, I'm sure most of your listeners know this, that, you know, your gut has so many implications for healing and your gut is really tied into every other system in your body, right? Even if we're just looking at the gut brain access and how yeah. the, your gut health is related to your mood, mm -hmm. right? So we get a lot of clinical relevance, for example, from running a GI map which is a stool pathogens test mm -hmm. and looking for things like parasites, yeast overgrowth, bacterial infections, uh, even viruses can show up and worms. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and we can also look for intestinal health uh, biomarkers. So we can see, you know, is there inflammation in the gut? Um, is your immune system reacting to gluten? Um, are there enough digestive enzymes in your gut? We can actually look at all these things through running a GI map. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely one of the flagship tests that I, I use in my practice. And then I also really like to run a, a Dutch test as well. And that's gonna look at the stress response through cortisol levels. It's gonna look at the sex hormones like progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, uh, and a, a whole lot more, as you know, that the, both of those tests are, yeah. are so in depth and give us so, in, so much information. And you know, we could easily talk for one hour each on just either of those labs. Yeah, they provide so much insight. And it's funny because I was, uh, you know, fairly resistant to especially the GI map because I was over here going like, I've got like, I think it's type four, like Bristol stool chart, like All right. good poop, right? Like I'm like, my digestion is like on point, like it's normal, it's regular. I'm, I was no longer experiencing any stomach pain. And I think it really just goes to show that our symptoms can manifest in different ways, each in unique ways in all of our different bodies. Uh, and my, my symptoms were manifesting less in like a very physical gut symptom and more as anxiety or inflammation. Because when we looked at my GI map, we saw, and you can add to this, I'm trying to remember exactly. I know there was a lot of inflammation. Um, I, we found out that I had parasites, um, mm. H. pylori, Lori, mm. uh, yeast, fungal, and bacterial overgrowth. <laughs> yeah, the full house. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I was, it was not shocking, but shocking. It was shocking in that I was like, why am I like having normal, normal uh, bowel movements, but right. still all these things are happening. Uh, but then it was also amazing to have all of those answers and mm. start to put the pieces together. And then obviously working with you, just, you know, figure out a best path moving forward for, you know, we address the parasites first, right? So right going on like a, a parasite protocol to eliminate the parasites and just kind of checking things off the box. And we also did um, the, the Dutch hormone panel for me and uh, found out a lot of information through that test as well. Uh, but all those pieces have really been just enlightening because there's so much information that I would never have guessed about my body that then showed up on the lab test. Like, me as a human being, I was just thinking, oh, I have anxiety. And I, I came to you after trying all the different kind of like, you know, anxiety reducing techniques, you know, outside of the physical realm. Um, right. And then ultimately, you know, it was like, you know, I was at my, unfortunately, my rock bottom with my anxiety. I wish I had reached out sooner, but um, glad I found you and glad that we've, we started to work to reduce some of the root causes of the symptoms I've been experiencing. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, you're, you're more than welcome. And I, I'm so glad that you brought all that up because this is the, the sort of cycle of trial and error that a lot of people sort of find themselves stuck in. And you've probably heard, heard me say this before, but people end up playing this game of whack-a-mole yes. with the symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. And they'll, they'll try some things which will have some benefit. You know, I've, I've read that, you know, you, I should be taking vitamin D or, you know, they'll start a yoga practice and they'll start en engaging in those first steps of, uh, you know, uh, working towards those healthy diet and lifestyle habits. And those mm -hmm. are all fantastic. And I definitely 
you know, encourage people to continue going down those paths. But what people often find is that, you know, they'll do the AIP diet, they'll have the yoga practice and meditation. Um, they're, you know, they feel like they're doing all the right things, but they just are still stuck, yeah. right? They, they hit a wall with their symptoms. And I get this question a lot. When I first start talking to people, they say, I'm eating a clean paleo diet, all organic, I'm eating oh, organ meats. <laughs> yeah, it's right? like, well, I'm eating all this good food. <laughs> right, right. And um, believe it or not, it's not all about food. Right. Um, nor is it all just about exercise, nor is it all just about stress reduction. Right. Yeah. We want to look at all these things as a whole, mm -hmm. right? Um, so that's why it's so important um, to engage in all these practices with a, the caveat that what a lot of people don't understand is that even if they're eating a perfect diet, for example, if they're not breaking down and assimilating those nutrients from their food, mm -hmm. i.e., there's the presence of a parasite in their system that's yeah. competing for those nutrients, right? Mm -hmm. So are you going to get all those nutrients and building blocks in your system? Yeah. Probably not. Right. Right. So um, in that sense, that's why we call these hidden stressors, right? And because they're things that people often don't look for, um, but, but yet without you knowing it, they're, you know, in a sense, preventing you from, really reaching that next plateau or firing on all cylinders. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where testing can be really helpful because it helps you move from that trial and error phase or that kind of whack-a-mole, like let me just try to address this symptom, now another sy symptom's coming up, ah, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, uh, the, the testing can come along to provide you with some hard data, right, to help you stop guessing, right? Yeah. And so that's where the mantra comes in, test, don't guess, right? Other, yeah. And that, I mean, I did a lot of guessing and it really <laughs> didn't lead me anywhere. And I just, to everyone listening, I can't recommend enough that if you are in a place where you feel like you're eating right and you're doing your yoga and you're meditating, but you still feel like shit or you have debilitating anxiety or pain like I was experiencing, look deeper, like go get the test done, I, you know, do one at a time. If, if there's, um, you know, mm -hmm. financial constrictions, restrictions, uh, I started with, I think two and I've slowly just gone through a lot of them now. And each one has painted a more in-depth picture of what's going on in my body at that time. So now we've gone and done. Um, uh, we initially did like a, you know, thyroid panel. My thyroid was actually fine. Um, just recently did, um, more of the, uh, the oat test, organic acid test, found out even more information on me that I had excess oxalates. And I talked about this two episodes ago, Ryan, I told everyone kind of like mm -hmm. what I'm currently eating and why I'm currently not eating oxalates. But again, th those foods that fall within the oxalate group, you know, how would you even put those together if you didn't know what an oxalate was or didn't, right. you know, yeah. so, but that was eye-opening for me. And now I feel a lot better having a, a low oxalate diet. Um, mm -hmm. But also I wanted to maybe talk a little bit about genetic mutations. So another test that I've done is a 23andMe. There's options on how you could get your, you know, genes tested, but Sure. More specifically, um, when you looked at my 23andMe results uh, in the third party, right, Live Wello, it's, it showed um, 
that I had the MTHFR genetic mutation as mm -hmm. well as the COMT or COMT mutation. And right. those two, um, you know, they sound funny. I posted about MTHFR in my Facebook group one time. My mom was like, why are, are you saying motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I, the first time I posted about MTHFR, I had a, I had a, a comment. Same on kind of comment. Same exact No, not saying that. Um, but, but, you know, yeah. that... That gene can be an MFR. It is. It is yeah. an MFR. <laughs> uh, so those yeah. two things, like I didn't know anything about. Um, sure. I, I had heard of MTHFR, and I had clients with MTHFR, but I uh, was not fully aware or knowledgeable on how they could then have kind of these um, downstream effects as far as like how your body. Um, breaks down um, or metabolizes like in in your brain your neurotransmitters etc b vitamins etc so can you tell us a little bit just kind of like the basic snippet uh, a little bit of how mthfr mutation could affect somebody or combed i like to put it in that warrior warrior context how that could affect somebody in, in, a, in a kind of a broad sense i know you don't have anyone's lab test in front of you but sure, um, no i can i think i can give a a, a good broad overview yeah um, so what Sarah is talking about here are what we call SNPs, which is an acronym for single nucleotide polymorphisms. And that's really just a simple term for genetic mutations. And when we say this muta word mutation, you know, we tend to freak out because we think we're a mutant or something. Um, it's definitely nothing to freak out about when you get your genetic results because everybody in the world has genetic SNPs. And, uh, you know, 25% of the population or more has either the MTHFR gene or the COMT gene. So what's really, really important, and I can't stress this enough to the listeners here on the podcast, is that diet and lifestyle take precedence over your genetics, right? Yeah. I feel like this isn't talked about enough in the functional community. Um, people want to go and you know, treat uh, you know, snip for snip and, you know, treat, you know, each, each of these genetic mutations as though they were like a disease or something. It's just not the case. Um, right. When you, when these um, genetic mutations show up or, or variants might be a better word. Uh, it doesn't sound as harsh as mutant mutation. Right. So if you have these genetic variations show up, it just means that there, there is a tendency for that gene to not work as well. And uh, I'll highlight that word again, tendency. So um, functional practitioners like Dr. Ben Lynch and Chris Kresser, they like to say that genes are like the gun, but the environment is like the trigger, right? So what's more important to focus on is that epigenetic component, which says that we have the ability to determine how our genes function like whether they're turned on or off, right? Yeah. And so all the good diet and lifestyle and stress reduction techniques and exercise and all that, those are gonna help be your best insurance policy that your genes are working up to their full potential. Um, and actually, I have this book right beside me. I highly recommend this book. I love this book, yeah. um, Dirty Genes by Dr. Ben Lynch. I'm in no way associated with Dr. Ben Lynch. So I do not earn any commissions from promoting this book. I genuinely just think you should go out and buy a copy. Yeah. Um, because he goes over the most important genes one by one, 
but he also stresses over and over again that the, the best thing that you can do for your jeans to make them undirty mm -hmm. is to do a soak and scrub, right? Yeah. And, which is kind of a cool analogy. And, you know, the soak and scrub is really just all the good diet and lifestyle. Um, yeah. I think what I've heard, um, I think this is from Dr. Bruce Lipton, Lipton, who I love his work, you know, Power of Belief. And he... Mm -hmm. um, he t I think the numbers he uses is like 95% of our overall, overall health is determined by our environment, lifestyle, food, yeah. et cetera. I, I 5%, I, if I, even 5% is our genes. So yes, yeah. it's a factor, but like you said, you know, is it the gun or the trigger? Well, you know, but like, is it, is it actually going off, right? It depends on the environment that we're in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, to that point, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say something sort of off the record here, which I don't think you'll hear a lot of functional medicine doctors say or FDNs or other functional health coaches. I think that for, you know, we did get uh, this question uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the group yesterday because mm -hmm. we had some, some questions there. And yeah. um, there was a few on, you know, what can I do on a low budget to, you know, address things from a functional perspective or to work with a functional practitioner. Mm -hmm. And what I'm going to say here is, is maybe a little bit unconventional, but the best tests that you can run are, and this may seem to counter counteract or contradict everything we just talked about, but the best test tests you can run is, is no test and, and to commit to the diet and lifestyle changes, because I can run all these tests for you, but if they're not motivation enough for you to make, those changes to really see your health as a long-term investment and to make your life, uh, your, sorry, your health, your, and your life, your number one priority, mm -hmm. then you don't need to run any tests. You know, you, you need to, you know, maybe focus on the mental emotional side and getting to a place where you can make uh, you know, healing a, a commitment and, and to realize that you're, you're worth it. You know, your health is worth it. Um, you have to make it a priority and yeah. not everyone is ready honestly to make it a priority um and sure. to make the investment but mm -hmm. uh, you know to each their own and, and sometimes we have to all do it in our own timing but um yeah I, that makes a lot of sense to me you know if people aren't ready then also don't waste your money on all the tests if you're not going to make the changes right absolutely yeah and and um i'm not dismissing the importance of testing whatsoever mm -hmm. i still stand by you know, my belief that one should test and not guess and, and, and you know, stop, um, you know, playing this game of trial and error with their symptoms. But where you get the biggest payoff is, you know, eating a clean diet, you know, eliminating processed foods and sugars, eating organic and pasture raised meats and wild caught fish and, you know, getting optimal sleep, you know, uh, doing infrared saunas, Epsom salt baths, all those stress reduction techniques, that's where you get the biggest payoff, right? Yeah. So really, um, you know, if one were to choose between running thousands of dollars worth of tests or investing the greater share of that money into a gym membership or uh, a yoga teacher training program or, um, you know, regular visits to the sauna, you know, I honestly, I think that the, the, the money is better spent on yourself. Um, and then, you know, once you get there, once you're ready, you know, then start thinking about running some of the tests. Yeah. Awesome. 
But Sarah, I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I didn't yet answer the specific question. Oh, yeah, uh, let's talk about MTH. Yeah, yeah. So I, <laughs> and there's there's so much good stuff to talk about. I love this. I know. <laughs> um, and we did, you know, I did touch upon, you know, genetics as a general concept and how we want to approach them. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, all that being said, um, if you see an MTHFR mutation, for example, or that, that, that genetic predisposition, if you will, do get the book and read all about MTHFR. Mm -hmm. But what it essentially means is that your body's ability to synthesize folate is impaired, right? And so there, there are several implications to that. When the MTHFR gene isn't functioning fully, it, what it means is that your methylation cycle isn't working proper, properly. So imagine them like gears in a factory and those, those gears produce certain end products. And without, and if the MTHFR gene is not working properly, those genes won't be turning. And one of the main things that uh, the, methylation, the methylation cycle is responsible for is producing something called SAMe. And SAMe is our body's main methyl donor. And we use methyl donors in every cell in our body. Um, SAMe and other methyl donors are almost just as important as oxygen. Yeah. And SAMe is actually what helps our epigenetics. So that these methyl donors help to ensure that our disease genes aren't getting activated. And it also makes sure that our quote unquote healthy genes are, are working properly. Um, SAMe also helps with neurotransmitter metabolism. Um, you know, end products of methylation are also helping ensure that, so for example, you mentioned uh, the COMT gene. Yeah. And I hope this isn't, I'm not making this too complicated. I'll try to make it as simple as possible. But when your methylation cycle makes SAMe, or what we're calling those methyl donors, those methyl donors are used by other genes like COMT. So in that sense, we often refer to MTHFR as like being the master gene because it makes the methyl donors that your other genes need to work mm -hmm. and, and to function properly. And that's why MTHFR gets so much attention why it can potentially have so many implications for our health. Yeah. Um, and for just to make a specific example, if we don't have the methyl donors we need for our COMT gene to work, that gene slows down. And then we're not breaking down our stress hormones, our, our fight or flight neurotransmitters like dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine. When those chemicals build up, almost like a, a bathtub that's where the drain is clogged, mm -hmm. then those chemicals don't have anywhere to go. They can't drain down the plug. And then we end up with symptoms of, of anxiety, mm -hmm. right? Um, but we need, we need MTHFR to be working to donate the methyl donors to SAMe or to COMT. Right. And then, then we can unclog the drain and all the stress chemicals can sort of pour down the drain. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot more to it than that. Those are just a kind of a, a couple examples. Um, 
they were very eye-opening for me, even, you know, within this lens of, okay, this is only potentially 5% of my overall health, but how is it affecting some of the downstream parts of my body or anxiety as a symptom that, you know, is on the surface level. So uh, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating to see kind of like what's going on as far as genetics and how it does play some role. Um, but sure. let's talk a little bit into these some of our listener questions. So yesterday I posted in my Facebook group, Autoimmune Tribe, and, and asked the women in there, you know, what do they want to know? And we got lots of questions. The first you are already really started to answer. So Shandy wanted to know um, someone who's just starting their journey, you know, what would you recommend? Where is your money best spent? And I think you you really touched on that by saying, you know, start with the, the emotional, get your mindset right before you um, dive in, make sure you're ready to make the changes and you're going to make them a priority. And then Kate also wanted to know how she can find a good functional doctor and some ways to manage costs, but still effectively learn and heal with a functional doctor. And I'll just touch on that really quick too, sure. from my perspective, because I'm the patient, right? So, or the, the client that I did invest in myself and it was a little scary at first uh, because you don't know what answers you're going to get. But I also, again, unfortunately, waited till that kind of rock bottom with my anxiety. And I wish I had done it sooner. I really do. And ultimately, I, I looked at it as my health is my number one priority. Without my health, I have nothing. I can't run this business. I can't enjoy time with my partner. I can't go on vacation and trips without this, you know, with this anxiety. So I, I want it gone. And I just really, you know, I prioritized it and said, I'm going to make this happen no matter what. It's so important to me. And I think that goes into some of the mindset too. But uh, and then, like I mentioned earlier, when we were talking, you know, I started with two tests, then we added one more, and we didn't do everything at once. Um, but, uh, you know, it really was me prioritizing it. But could you speak a little bit to Shandy's question about just beginning the journey, if you have anything to add there, and then Kate's question about finding the functional doctor and um, the investment? Mm. Yeah, so to add to some of your comments there, I, I often like to emphasize that it's not just about removing your symptoms. What it's really about is living your best life. And what would I do with my life if I was firing on all cylinders and I woke up with, you know, at the crack of dawn every day and just felt amazing? Yeah. You know, what would your life look like, right? Mm -hmm. And can you put a dollar of value on that? You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say. And like, I realize that, yes, it can be expensive to work with practitioners and to run the tests. But like you said, you can run you can run the test one at a time and kind of peel back the layers gradually. That's definitely an approach you can take. Um, I often, you know, tell people when they ask me if there's any one lab test that I could run, which would it would, which one would it be? And I think you might agree with me here that it would be the stool analysis. Yeah. The GI map is the test that I, I prefer to run with my clients. Um, it's a PCR DNA based test. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, the only stool test that's um, approved by the FDA, and it actually is third-party validated, which means that they have other labs and research researchers, um, you know, testing the validity of the of the testing. Um, but there's there's just so much that goes into your health that's related to the gut that I, I can't emphasize enough. You know, the importance of doing that gut testing if that's the only test you were going to run. 
Yeah, which is again funny because I would not have started there <laughs> because I thought I, my digestion was like, you know, on point. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Oh my, like when we, once we saw the results, it was like, oh my gosh, like, thank goodness I did this test. Now I know I have parasites and we can address that immediately. Just, you know, imagining how much havoc that was wrecking on my overall health in that, in that time. And now I've gone through that parasite protocol, but um, so many answers were just on that piece of paper afterwards. So you can, you can surprise yourself as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And, um, you know, there are, there are so many resources out there to, to, explore without having to spend loads and loads of money. And I'm, I'm sure you're aware of like, for example, there are constantly free summits online all the time. Like I can't even keep up with it. Right. Like, it's like, I don't even have enough time, No, so all that. but they, they are free yeah. and you will get 30 to 40 leading experts on a given topic for these summits. And, uh, what is it? Health talks is one resource yeah. to check out. Yeah. Google health talks, or it might be just healthtalks.com. It'll show you some of the upcoming summits, but you'll get specialists talking about Hashimoto's or Lyme disease or mold illness. And it'll be an entire, you know, summit, you know, hours and hours, dozens of um, free information um, and actionable items that you can do to help to address some of these things. Um, so I definitely encourage people to take advantage of those podcasts, uh, listen to Sarah's podcast. Uh, you know, there's other great podcasts out there. Like I, I really love Chris Cresser's. Mm -hmm. Um, I really love, um, sometimes going back and listening to, listening to Sean Croxton's podcast from when he did the underground wellness podcast. And even though he doesn't do it anymore, there are over 300 episodes that are recorded that he did that are just gold. I mean, you can learn so much. It's unbelievable and you can do it for free. Um, so definitely take advantage, you know, of all those free resources. Um, there's nothing better that you can do than arming yourself with, you know, feeding your brain and in investing in your mind. Cause a lot of times you don't have to spend any money to do that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you so much. Sure. Uh, so Lindy wants to know, uh, what is a common theme or is there a common thing theme that you see with all of your clients in terms of lab work, like toxins, heavy metals, parasites, et cetera. We talked about a few of those that did show up on my lab test, but mm. um, is that a common thing for you? Do you see that across the board? That's a really good question. And you know, the more clients I've worked with and the more labs that I've run, I've started to find a, a lot of commonalities or some common threads. Mm -hmm. So here's a big one. Um, so we all know that our fight or flight chemical is cortisol, right? So if we're being chased by a, tar a tiger, our, our cortisol will increase. That helps increase our blood sugar and, and engages that fight or flight response, right? Mm -hmm. So there's nothing wrong with short-term or acute bouts of, of a surge of cortisol, right? That's necessary for our survival. But the problem is that in our modern world, the body doesn't know the difference between being chased by a tiger and being stuck in traffic or having relationship problems or hating your job, right? So that's this daily, day in, day out, um, onslaught on your HPA axis, right? We're, we're, we're 
we're all living with the, the accelerator pedal to the floor. We're asking too much of ourselves, right? So it's just too much stress on the body. So we have this continual demand on cortisol, right? So one thing that happens when cortisol is elevated is it's an indirect relationship. Cortisol goes up and the immune system response in our gut goes down. And we can actually measure that on the GI map test. It's a marker called secretory IgA. So when cortisol goes up, secretory IgA goes down, right? Stress goes up. We can't defend ourselves in the gut from incoming pathogens that our immune system would normally be able to take care of. But since we're all so stressed out all the time, um, and you know, stress could even be from poor diet and other things too. It do, it's not all about mental emotional, right? If we're just drinking a liter of Coke every day, that's putting a lot of demand on cortisol. Yep. So because of that, we are seeing more and more infections in the gut. And I see in all of my symptomatic clients, I rarely, maybe only one time did I see a GI map with no infections. Mm -hmm. That says a lot. Yeah. So there's this, you know, direct relationship between stress and infections showing up, like things that we saw on your test results, H. pylori, parasites, mm -hmm. candida, bacterial infections. Like, like we joked, you had the, the, the full house, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing I commonly see is estrogen dominance. Yeah, right? that was also me. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just common to see that with a, you know, a stress pattern. Mm -hmm. um, it's common for me to see serotonin levels below on an organic acids test. Um, what happens there is that when we're under stress, rather than making serotonin, our body uses the building blocks uh, for serotonin, which is um, tryptophan. Our body uses tryptophan and, and pushes it down an inflammatory pathway. So instead of making serotonin, it says, oh, well, there's stress in the body. We need to go this direction and, you know, use it to address inflammation. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes practitioners call that the tryptophan steal. Their body's stealing tryptophan away from serotonin to handle or deal with inflammation, yeah. right? So these are just some common patterns I see, you know, imbalanced cortisol, gut infections, elevated estrogen, um, you know, yeah, low serotonin, which of course, that's just going to make you feel kind of crummy. You know, serotonin just is our kind of feel good hormone, our, our feel good uh, neurotransmitter. Yeah. Um, gosh, that's just the kind of the tip of the iceberg. I can go hours and hours on this stuff. Yeah, but I think it's so important for our listeners to understand that they're even that just there are root causes to some of the symptoms mm. they're experiencing, right? Like some of these things are deeper and maybe are not things that would have surfaced to your mind right away, but could be the root of some of the symptoms that are surfacing. So I think just yeah. kind of basic understanding can be really helpful for people. Uh, Lindy also wants to know, aside from lab work, what other recommended approaches do you take to healing? So I know you've mentioned you personally did, we're both yoga teachers, we both did yoga teacher training, mm -hmm. some of the emotional mindset work. Was there, is there any other, maybe just like top three other uh, recommendations you also give to clients that you work with aside from lab testing? Sure. So um, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, eating a nutrient dense diet. Uh, especially if you have autoimmunity, um, I highly recommend investigating the autoimmune protocol. Um, and 
there's some great resources out there for that. Um, one that I really love is the autoimmunewellness.com website. They have a great podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Mickey uh, and Angie both have several autoimmune diseases between themselves, and, and they started this resource for those with autoimmune diseases. Yeah. And um, they helped to bring the, the autoimmune protocol into public consciousness where you know they've changed a lot of lives and people have gone into remission with their autoimmune diseases sometimes just doing the autoimmune protocol so it's a great starting place um, if you wanted to try that out before you even started diving into lab work um, you're the one who taught me too that uh, the, our immune system is a nutrient hog and requires yeah. more micronutrients than any other part or system of our body. So it's so important to be eating those nutrients, consuming them, but also absorbing and digesting them. Exactly. So w- when we're talking about autoimmunity, what we're talking about is an imbalance of the immune system. Mm-hmm. And since the immune system is so resource intensive, we want to give it all the fuel it needs to function properly and to regulate itself. So that's going to be eating things like shellfish and organ meats and grass-fed beef and wild-caught fish and seaweed and probiotic foods. I mean, these are a lot of things that are mostly missing from the standard American diet, but so beneficial from a nutrient density standpoint and from the perspective of reducing inflammation and helping to heal leaky gut through the diet. Um, So I I definitely highly recommend, you know, visiting that piece, uh, especially if you have a diagnosed autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. Um, Another overlooked one is, uh, you know, uh, investigating the environment. Um, And what I mean by that is that sometimes it's actually can be the, the, home that we're living in that could be making us sick. Um, and that's another really often overlooked, under-investigated area uh, where we can get a lot of benefit from, you know, investigating. Um, you know, we Actually, spend... Uh, there's a question about this. Maybe you can answer just as you're answering now. So at Hope with Hashimoto's wants to know what the best labs to get, what the best labs are to get tested for mold. Um, she's asking in your body, but also could you speak to, you know, in your home? Cause that could be an environmental trigger, correct? Absolutely. Um, I've, I'm aware of several people that I know with that have had Hashimoto's and discovered they had mold toxins in their home and they were able to put their Hashimoto's into remission after they discovered the mold and either remediated the, the home to get rid of the mold or, you know, just left and moved, um, you know, which may be a little more work uh, depending on where you're at, you know, depending on how much remediation costs. But um, sometimes if that means saving your health, it can be worth it. Because um, th- like I said, I've heard several cases where people's antibodies went down to zero after they left a a moldy house. Mm -hmm. So the best testing for uh, checking out your home and testing for levels of toxic molds is something called an ERMI test. And it's E-R-M-I. And the ERMI test is actually just a Swiffer. They send you a Swiffer to your house. And what you're doing is actually you're dusting off high surfaces like the top of a, a, a blade of a ceiling fan, mm-hmm. for example, which are areas that often don't get cleaned. 
and then uh, you, you uh, wipe down 10, 10 different surfaces in your house and you mail it to the lab. And then they're gonna give you a breakdown of 32 different species of mold. Some of them will be more benign and some of them are the direct result of water damage, uh, from water damaged buildings. And those are molds that are more toxic and potential triggers for autoimmunity. Mm -hmm. um, so that test is about $200, I think, offhand. Um, so it's, it's relatively affordable way to see if, if mold is a contributing factor mm -hmm. for, um, you know, what's going on with your health. Yeah. Um, so even, I want to say this too, um, we often think of just seeing black mold in the house and, you know, that, then if I don't see mold, that there's no mold, that, that is absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. You don't have to see it. You know, even if you come home after being away for several hours and you come back, and you kind of get a whiff of like a musty kind of smell, uh, there's a good chance that you've got some hidden mold. And just like we can have hidden health issues, we can also have hidden mold behind walls, in the crawl space, in the heating and cooling system. Yeah. So it doesn't always have to be visible. Mm -hmm. um, you can also do, uh, if you Google search VCS testing, um, that test is less than $20. Um, and you actually do it on your computer, it's a visual contrast sensitivity test. Um, and those scores can help indicate if you have the potential for biotoxin illness. Because yep. um, those mold toxins or the, the mysotoxins, they can actually impair the function of your optic nerve. Mm. And so one thing that people with mold illness often report is like blurry vision or kind of feeling like dizzy, vertigo, that kind of thing. So uh, that visual contrast test is very inexpensive. Uh, so it's low hanging fruit in terms of helping you, you know, determine if you think that mold might be affecting you. Um, you can also do urine testing for mysotoxins. Uh, so that gets a little more expensive. You can do genetic testing to, uh, to see if you have uh, genes that make you more susceptible to mold illness. So th there's a lot of routes that you can go with it. But I would, you know, I think the first place to start is addressing the home environment. Because <clears throat> even if you start detoxing or addressing the internal terrain, but you're still getting that daily exposure, then, you know, you're just kind of like shoveling out water out of a leaky, leaky butt, butt bucket. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Any other um, tools that you, um, so environment, changing food, diet. Uh, anything else outside of the labs that you often recommend to the people who work with you? You know, yeah, really. It recommended to me. I'm like, what did you recommend to me? I remember you also suggested um, e EMDR. EMDR, yeah. Um, uh, you know, EMDR can be really, really beneficial for anyone with a history of emotional trauma. Mm -hmm. And that's actually very common in autoimmune diseases because um, there's a lot of a lot of research out there showing that higher scores for adverse childhood experiences or what we call ACE scores, A-C-E, mm -hmm. um, bring your chances of developing an autoimmunity, uh, an autoimmune disease to like 99.9%. Yep. Um, so there's definitely uh, potentially an emotional component there depending on the individual. And, um, you know, M EMDR, without getting too much into the specifics of it, is a way of sort of detoxing traumatic emotions and releasing them from the body so that they're no longer affecting you. 
um, because these traumatic emotions do get stored in the body and they affect us at a cellular level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we want to also think about those emotional roots as, as an underlying root cause as well. Um, Because sometimes people will, you know, do the work to get rid of gut infections and balance their hormones. And, and if they don't address the emotional side, some of these issues can actually just come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just have time for one more question, I think here, but sure. uh, there was a listener who says that she does struggle with fibromyalgia and that's something I also experience. And you've mm-hmm. helped me reduce some of that chronic pain that, that I experienced that I, I have experienced since I was 16, 17 years old. So, uh, can you just talk a little bit about fibromyalgia, some of the people that you've worked with, um, clients and, and how you go about treating it or finding the root cause of it, because it really isn't very well understood. Like we don't really know what, as far as I know, turns on this fibromyalgia in people's bodies. Sometimes it's, it's more of this blanket diagnosis, but are there any themes that you see within fibromyalgia or ways that you would go upon um, helping someone reduce pain from fibromyalgia? I actually have seen themes of emotional trauma with fibromyalgia. So that's yeah. one place that I like to try to uncover. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone was looking for like a, just a quick resource on learning more about how trauma affects the body, mm-hmm. uh, there's a great, a great book called The Body Keeps Score. Yeah, which, I have um, that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So that, that, that one's um, just an excellent book. Mm-hmm. Um, other common themes I see with fibromyalgia are oxalates, um, sometimes viruses like Epstein-Barr. Um, it's really tricky because it is this sort of blanket diagnosis. It can be there can be a lot of stones you might need to un- unturn to, to get to the root of fibromyalgia <clears throat> because we're in one person, the trigger for it might be Epstein-Barr virus and another person, it could be Lyme disease mm-hmm. or in another person, it could be a combination of heavy metals and oxalates. Yeah. So this is where we come full circle to what we talked about earlier of not addressing the specific symptom, but looking you know, under the hood and you know, seeing where there's dysfunctions and then correcting those at a deeper level. And that way we see you know, issues like fibromyalgia or other forms of autoimmunity start to resolve themselves. Yeah. And you know, this can be a journey too. You know, it might take months or sometimes years to peel back these layers, but each time you'll start to see a little more improvement or get yeah. another clue here or there. And, um, you know, you can't, definitely can't put a, a deadline on your healing. You know, I, I say that often because people are often looking for a hard deadline. Like when is it, when am I, this, this symptom is going to be gone. And yeah. you know, there's no good answer for that. Mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot of that really depends on what you do as, right. as the client. And in my role as the coach is to teach you how to help yourself. Right. Cause I can't do that work for you. I can't, drive you to the infrared sauna or make you take an Epsom salt bath, right? <laughs> so, so it really, you know, as FDNs, as health coaches, it's about 10% what we do and about 90% where we do. This is not like you go to the doctor, you know, take this pill, call me in the morning kind of thing, right? No. This is like a lifelong commitment to, you know, committing to your health as, as a number one priority. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I was just relating to what you were saying about fibromyalgia too. I mean, I have a history of some trauma that I know is still kind of lingering in my tissues somewhere, 
but also that as we've uncovered the root of some of, of the symptoms I was experiencing, it's not like, oh, this is causing your fibromyalgia 100% for sure. But mm. as we, you know, like I went through that parasite protocol, did that H. pylori protocol, et cetera, my pain has slowly reduced. So it's, it's right. not disappeared yet. Like you said, it's a, it's didn't happen overnight. I didn't develop this pain overnight. So it's not going to go away overnight, but it's certainly starting to reduce. And I mean, that anyone who has fibro who's listening, just a reduction in pain can be a huge relief. It can be so um, inspire hope in people because mm. it is certainly one of those diagnoses that I think can, can feel like literally heavy on your body. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's a, sometimes a slower journey, but you mm -hmm. can possible. You can see those improvements. So thank you again, Ryan. Is there anything else that you want to add to the listeners today? Um, I would like to add that uh, I want to encourage everyone to, you know, commit to their health and, you know, seek out all those resources that I mentioned. And, you know, th there's, there's a way out of this, you know, don't give up. Mm -hmm. I think that's just so important to, to um, love yourself and, and to see yourself as a priority. And, you know, um, there's, there's just, we're, we're living in the best time possible for getting the message of, of functional nutrition and, and uh, health coaching and, and all these free summits and everything. This, it's just never been a better time to learn about this stuff and to really make a, it work towards a revolution in this whole healthcare system, which is so broken and is not really serving people. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, you know, get some testing done if you can see a, a functional medicine doctor or an FDN like myself. Um, doesn't have to be me, <laughs> but there's, there's lots of great FDNs out there. I just want you guys to, to help yourselves and, and uh, start looking for some of these hidden stressors. Yeah. Um, so you can also, um, if I can plug my website, am I allowed to do that? Guys, <laughs> everyone listening, if you are looking for a practitioner, Ryan also works remotely, which is amazing. It's so yeah. So convenient to be able to hop on just like we are right now, a Zoom call with Ryan and go over the lab testing. He shares his screen with you. Uh, you can, he has several different packages that you can work with him on and, and lab testing and interpretation of the lab testing. And literally he goes into so much detail. And if someone, someone like me who loves that information, I love the knowledge, you make it make sense. So please tell people how they can reach out to you, schedule consultation, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And you can find out more information on the mindfulnutrivore.com or you can also just Google Ryan Monahan FDN. Um, mm -hmm. that, should, that should bring up the website. Um, and I've got more information on there about my own journey, about some of my offerings. Um, and feel free to yeah, visit the website, email me, ask me, with, uh, ask me any questions. Um, be happy to help. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you again for your time, Ryan. I really appreciate it. And I know our listeners are going to have learned something from you today. So awesome. thank you again. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I do hope you learned something and can take part of this message home with you in your own healing process and own healing journey. If you are someone who is feeling stuck 
and like conventional or traditional medicine isn't working for you and you're not seeing the results that you desire and getting back to the life that you freaking love, then I highly recommend that you reach out to Ryan or another functional diagnostic practitioner so that you can really find the root of what's creating these uncomfortable symptoms for you in your life. I'll link to those in the show notes and I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now.